Man, I've been having dreams lately. How many of the rest of you have been having dreams? Have you? How many of you write them down? You journal them. Can I encourage you to write them down? Because I don't understand all of them, but I know that there's interesting things that God is saying through dreams. And I've never done that before. I've never really written stuff down. And I just, you know, I started to write stuff down and then I go back and read it once in a while and God begins to speak to my heart. One portion of a dream, I had a shirt on like this and I had this huge coffee stain right here. <laughs> By the way, they got the coffee working across the, we, yeah, thanks to Dave Reinebo, came over, hooked it up and it was amazing. So you too can have the coffee stain on your shirt. And I didn't know what it meant. You know, and, and, and I was, and as I've just been chewing on stain that God wants to stain me. You know, he marked Cain so that everybody would know not to kill Cain. But how many of you know he's marked us? And anyway, man, there's powerful things that God can say through dreams. And I may get into that later, but I had another scripture there that I may pull out and read to you. I'm getting a lot of stuff up here. Would you turn over to Matthew chapter 21? Matthew chapter 21. Hey, and I don't know if you've noticed behind me, but there's a beautiful cross. And we are so thankful because Steve Ziegler, Stevie Z, rocked it. And I, I helped carry, I carried in the arm piece and I was like, oh, man. It's like, what are these, two by six? Is that what that is? Yeah, so... Yeah, so he did an amazing job. So thankful. So we're going to be using the cross a lot. So Matthew 21, this is Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And so it's recorded in all four Gospels, this account. And uh, that's what I thought Zach was referring to earlier was John 12 is the account of Jesus' um, triumphant entrance. Triumphant triumphal entry let me say it right uh, but in verse one it talks about and let's pick up reading in verse one I'm reading out in the new king james it says now when they drew near to Jerusalem Jesus sent two disciples saying to them go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her loose them bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. You know, the Lord is looking for people who will do his will. Because when we step out on God's word, we're stepping out on something different than when we step out on our own word or our own idea. You know, it's, it's when God gives you a word, this is I think a part of the reason that he has me writing down some of these dreams, but when he gives you a word personally, now you have something to step out on. This is the importance of that prayer time of, you know, if you're facing a situation, it's a good idea to pull away and take a little bit of time. I'm not saying it has to be your whole day, but it's, in, it's a good idea to pull away and to commit it to prayer because then he gives you the answer. He gives you a word usually to step out on. Oftentimes he'll give me a scripture or I'll ask him about something and he won't answer audibly. You know, I love it when he answers audibly, but that doesn't happen all the time for me. Sometimes I pray and he answers two days later when I'm reading the scripture and suddenly it pops off the page to me. But then I have a responsibility 
to carry that out. And when I carry that out, now I'm, now I'm carrying out something that he said. That's totally different. Now I can expect it to happen because I'm stepping out on his word, not on Phil's word. All right. So in Mark 12:30, such a great scripture. Stay right there, though, in Matthew 21. Mark 12, 30 and 31 is the great commandment. He says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that the most important commandment? Jesus, you and I loving him is what he's looking for. He's looking to be loved by his family. I mean, he came back and got us. That's what this week is all about, is he came back to take back his children that the enemy had stolen. He loves us so much. This is a, this is a, a, a side note, but let's go back to verse 4 of Matthew 21. <clears throat> verse 4, it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet saying. Now, what he's referring to is Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah. And in chapter 9, verse 9 is where this prophecy is written. And I'll read it to you. Zechariah says this. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding a donkey, the colt, the foal, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So why is the donkey important? A donkey is a symbol of kingship. Kings rode donkeys. David rode a donkey. Solomon rode a donkey. I mean, they, that was their mode of transportation. And, and only a donkey that had never been ridden, that was the firstborn, is suitable for the king of kings to ride. Coming into Jerusalem. This is another reason. He's, he's the king coming in to Jerusalem. All right. And lowly. Lowly, according to W.E. Vines, it's talking about the mind there, lowliness of mind, the way that we think about ourselves. It's, it's always a good idea to take the low road, isn't it? Have you ever taken the high road and been disappointed? I read this the other day in Proverbs 25, verse 6 and 7. It says this. It says, don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation than to be to the head of the table than to be sent away in public disgrace. Can I hear an amen on that? So then let's read the next verse in chapter 21, verse 8. Keeping up with me, Cherry? I go kind of quick sometimes. The graphic people are back there, you know. Matthew 21, verse 8 says, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. The King James Version says, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. This is, this is a significant act. Over in 2 Kings, I believe it was chapter 9, there was a man by the name of Jehu. Jehu was a military commander, and he's, having, he's eating food with a lot of his men at one point, and this prophet comes running into the room where they're having, uh, having their meal and he says, I have a word from God for Jehu. And so Jehu pulls him to the side. They take him to another room. 
And, and the prophet says, thus saith the Lord, and he takes the oil and he pours it, because anoint means to pour. So he pours it on Jehu's head. And he says, thus saith the Lord, I anoint you king over God's people, king over Israel. Well, then the prophet opened the door and he took off running because he's obeying what he was instructed to do. So he leaves. Jehu then walks in back to where his men are and sits back down at the table to finish eating. And his men are looking at him. And could you imagine if somebody just had oil poured over their head? And they, you know, when they left, they were dry. And now they got oil running down. And he sits down and they said, what did the prophet say to you? And he goes, oh, you know those prophets. They always have different things to say. And he goes, they said, no, we want to know what he said to you. There's oil on you. It's dripping down. What did he say? And he said, he said, thus saith the Lord, I anoint you king over my people, Israel. At that moment, it says in verse 13, then each man hastened to take off his garment and to put it under him on the top step. And they blew the trumpets and they said, Jehu is king. They yelled it. They celebrated. But that's the common response to a king is to take off that garment. Now that, that word garment is very interesting. Let me read it to you, that same verse, verse 8, out of the Passion Translation. We're going to get passionate this morning. It says, Then an exceptionally large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and their prayer shawls. Now, the outer, the garment there, when you look up that word garment in the King James Version, it, the, the de- one of the definitions is outer garment. The prayer shawl was the very last thing that many of the, of the Jewish people wore. The prayer shawl was interesting. It's a, it had four corners, and so it's got tassels on each corner. But then on the collar of the shawl, it had written in Hebrew, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Lord of Lords, King of Kings. So think about the significance of this. If there was anyone in the crowd that was taking off their prayer shawl and laying it on the ground, what they were saying is, this is the Messiah, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings coming. Oh, it gets better. Believe me. I want to make sure I said everything. All right. And so the second part of verse 8. So that was the first thing that they did was they laid their, laid their cloaks down, their garments down. Could have been prayer shawls that they're laying down. Some of them. But then in, ver, in the B part of verse 8, it says, Others cut down branches from trees and spread them out on the road. In John 12, uh, verse 12, it, it tells you what those branches were. They were palm branches. Now, what is it about palm branches? You know, why are they waving palm branches at Jesus? Why are they laying them, blanketing the ground with palm branches? In Leviticus 23, God is giving the instructions of the Feast of Tabernacle, how to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle. And I want you to, I want to read uh, his instructions in verse 40. It says, And you shall take for yourself on the first day of the fruit, uh, on, the, on the first day, the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, 
and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So one of the uses of the palm branches was in celebration, that you're celebrating, right? But then also, let me give you another use for the palm branches, and it's over in Revelation chapter 7. Now, this is interesting because this is a sea of people. This is a large group of people, and these are people that have lived through the tribulation and are now in heaven. Revelation 7, look at verse 9. It says, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number of all the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So the first use for the palm branch is in celebration of festivals. The second use of the palm branch represents victory. What are you celebrating? You celebrate when you've had victory. Men, you find that woman, you ask her to marry you, she marries you, you go on a honeymoon and you celebrate victory. I'm teasing. You, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Both of you celebrate victory together. You found the person you're supposed to marry. You know, you win a sporting event and what do you do? You celebrate the victory. Now, this is interesting because Jesus comes at a time when it's Roman rule, the Roman rule. In the book of Daniel, it, it gives reference to all these different kingdoms that will arise. I mean, there's the Babylonian kingdom, there's the Persian kingdom. And so in Israel's history, you go back and every time they were oppressed, they would cry out to God and then what would God do? He would send a deliverer. He would send whoever it was who would deliver them from that nation and then things would go well for a while until they sinned again and then suddenly another nation would come in and oppress them. So Jesus comes, but Jesus comes not to save them from the Roman Empire because Jesus isn't going to, he's not going to mess with the fruit. He's going to go to the root because the root of our bondage is what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. He tricked Eve. Adam went willingly. Guys, you're not off the hook. And he stole what belonged to you and I. And immediately God had a plan. And God, in fact, God spoke to the serpent in the garden. And he told him, he revealed some of his plan. We're going to get into this more. But Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. Whoa. God doesn't operate in time and space the way you and I do. We're, we're bound to time and space. That's why we're aging. We'll sin too. But, and and so, so Jesus came to save them from the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of the Romans. Does that make sense? So think about the Romans. The Romans had different gods. It, it's similar to me to like maybe Hindus because Hindus have gods for everything. You know, we go to the prosperity God. We go to the, the healing God. We go, you know, whatever we need, we go to that God. 
you know, and pray. Well, the Romans had some gods, and one of their gods was an ancient god of victory, and her name, she was a goddess, actually, and her name was Nike. Ever heard that name before? Familiar, right? And so, interesting thing about Nike is, in this ancient goddess, um, in sculptures, in images that were painted early on, she is often depicted holding a palm branch. Why? Celebrating victory. Palm branch. So when they are waving the palm branch at Jesus, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. This wild crowd, this massive crowd, and they're waving palm branches. They're sending a clear message to Rome. <laughs> I mean, this is just a side note, but I think it's really cool. You know, they're sending a clear message that Jesus is victorious. <laughs> wow. So good. All right, verse 9. Let's keep going. There's more. Verse 9 says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So they're all quoting David from Psalms 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now that's Matthew's version. Let's read Mark's version. Mark says this. He says, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now here's Luke's version. Luke says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then the book of John. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. The king of Israel. So I want you to, what I want to bring out about this and the things that they're saying as Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem is that they are calling him king. The people are declaring Jesus is who the prophets have prophesied about all this time. They're saying he is the Messiah. No wonder the religious leaders and the Pharisees yelled to Jesus and said, why don't you tell your, you need to tell your disciples to stop. And Jesus said, no, I'm telling you, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. Hosanna, wouldn't that have been cool? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The king is coming. Remember that old song, the king is coming? Anybody remember that song? Oh my word, he's coming. So what was one of the key words that the, every, every one of the versions, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what was one of the words that they used? Hosanna, Hosanna. If you ask most people today what the word Hosanna means, they, they might say, they would probably say praise. I thought it meant praise for a long time. But Hosanna is actually a word, it's divided into two words in the Greek. Hosa, which, and let me say it correctly for you, which means save. Hosa, Hosanna, na, that part, na part means now. It can also be translated please. Save us now, save us, please. This is what they're saying as they're yelling 
to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. See, Jesus didn't come to establish, again, a natural kingdom. He came to establish the kingdom of God. Remember John? He said the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. But he knew he had to go to the cross because now the kingdom of God is here. You and I get to live in the kingdom of God. Man, we get to come into the tabernacle and we, don't, we no longer have to stop at the altar of sacrifice and sit and wallow in our sin. We get to go past the altar of sacrifice and go, and go beyond the laver into the holy place and now in the holy of holies, the curtain has been ripped in two, which means God is on the other side going like this. Come on, come give me a hug. I've missed you. So in prayer, get the visualization of this, that when you and I come into prayer, we're, we're like walking into that first part of the tabernacle, which is called the way, by the way, no pun intended. The way, we come through that tent, we go in through the second curtain into the holy place, which is the truth, and then we go past the tent that's been ripped in two, that's called the life, the way, the truth, and we enter into the life. God, man. All right, I got to get you guys out of here so you can go to lunch. <laughs> See, because of what Jesus has done, you and I have become more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Jesus paid the price. He did the work. You and I reap the benefit. I heard one minister put it this way. He was talking about Evander Holyfeld. He was talking about his wife, that she's more than a conqueror because when he went and he would fight a fight and win the fight, he would bring the check home. She's more than a conqueror. She got the benefit. He fought the fight. Jesus fought the fight. And now it's our bat. It's our ball. And we get to be that kid in the neighborhood that gets to swing until I I get the hit I want. I don't care how many times you strike me out. I get to swing until I knock it over the fence. And I saw this meme yesterday. I showed Nicole. I just started laughing. I started to cry. Okay. All right. I know. I know. My word. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know why I'm tender. It, it kind of bugs me a lot of the time. But, but I, it, was this, it was this dad. And this dad was training his kid who's a baseball player. And he is suited up. And I don't know if it's before a game. I, you know, all I know is that it's him and his dad on the field. And his dad is on the pitcher mound. And his dad throws the ball. And the kid swings this great swing and connects and the ball went, well, you couldn't see in the video because it's this little meme. I couldn't, where, you know, where the ball went. But I, can, I knew it went over the fence because that dad starts going, whoa, I mean, and he's just screaming and he's jumping all over the place. He said, you go, buddy, you go, buddy. And this, and this boy's running the bases and nobody's out there. 
That's the way God is with us. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So here's what I want to do this morning. Can I have the worship team come back? Yeah. Because we're going to do something. We're going to end a little differently, and then we're going to receive communion together. <clears throat> I didn't forget about communion. Um, see, I believe it's time for us to wave the palm branch of victory this holy week, this season, this Easter season, over the situations in our life, over the things that we haven't seen breakthrough yet. And I want you to praise, I want, I want us to do this. I want us to wave the palm branch of victory as if we already have the victory. Because you do. Time will walk it out. Just because you haven't seen it in the natural doesn't mean that you don't have the victory yet. You only don't have the victory if you give up. If you quit. If you decide, you know, works for some people. Didn't work for me. I tried. I tried that. You don't try Christianity. You don't try a relationship with God. You you. You honor God for who he is and you take him at his word and you say, God, I thank you because you said it, I can take it to the bank. Have you guys ever heard of a man by the name of Jerry Savelle? Okay. Well, he's a, I love love it when Jerry Savelle tells a story because he's just so good at telling stories. I could totally connect with this story that he shared about his daughter. They were that night driving, I think maybe an hour and a half somewhere to a church where he was going to be preaching. And then they were going to be driving back home afterwards. Well, on the way there, his daughter asked him, she said, Daddy, could we get a slushie on the way to church? Remember slushies? That was the thing when I was a kid. You got slushies. And she said, could, could we get a slushie? And he said, well, sweetheart, I mean, you're wearing your beautiful dress and you got your frills and everything. We don't want you to get any slushy juice on your dress. So I promise you we'll do it after. We'll stop afterwards on the way home and get a slushy. Okay. And he said, we drove a little while longer. He said, and then she piped up and said, dad, you said we were going to get a slushy. When are we going to stop and get a slushy? He said, sweetheart, I told you, after service, when we're coming home, we will stop and we will get the slushy. Okay. They drive a little farther. Daddy, I thought we were going to stop and get a slushy. When are we going to stop and get a slushy? And he said, sweetheart, I told you, I promised you that we would stop and get a slushy after service. He said, now, please don't ask me again drove a little further. Now, Daddy, I just don't understand why we're not stopping to get a slushie. You said we were going to get a slushie. Well, then he pulled the car over and he turned around and he said, sweetheart, he said, I promised you that we would get a slushie after service. He said, and you've kept asking me. He said, "And, and by not believing what I said, what you're doing is you're calling your dad a liar. And your dad is not a liar. He said, as soon as I finished saying that, see, I'm getting missing. 
And he said, as soon as I finished saying that, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, me too. Me too. You do the same thing to me. When you've asked me for something and I've promised it to you in my word and you don't take me on my word, you don't believe me, you begin to doubt, you begin to question, when is it gonna happen? 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 When God, when God, when God, when, 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 when. And let me tell you, the society, the culture that we've established here in our everyday life that's instant, instant and drive-through and popcorn and that, you know, it doesn't help our patience level. And then, and then we get preachers t- saying, hey, don't ask, don't ask God to teach you patience. Boy, you'll get opportunity to be patient. I'm like, that is not a bad thing. That is a very good thing because how do we learn? We learn through tests and trials. I'm experiencing one of the most patient times in my life because I don't have a horn in my truck. So I can't honk at you. And I got behind a lady the other day and she was texting and driving and she was at a stoplight and she never went. And I couldn't tell her. I would have to get out of my car and knock on her window and say, ma'am, the light turned green. And I just sat there and I, through the frustration, I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for teaching me patience. Because where I need to go is, it's not a crisis. I don't have to go to the hospital. I'm not trying to get a pregnant woman to the hospital. I'm, I'm just going to the store thank you that you're teaching us patience I don't have time to go into that but so I want to read this scripture one more time and then here's what we're going to do I've asked Tabitha I said hey don't worry yourself out with the banners because she's a perfect illustration of what we're talking about this morning with the palm branches because of how God uses her in dance and in with the streamers. I'm sure many of you have noticed, and we love that. And so we're gonna worship God a little bit up here, and I'm gonna ask, I'm, I'm asking Tabitha to, to be one of, our, um, one of our palm branch examples. And we're gonna follow suit, you and I, and we're gonna wave our palm branches, we're gonna wave our hands and honor God and worship Him for a moment. Revelation 7, verse 9. Salvation, this is what they were saying. This is the group that went through the tribulation. This is the group that's standing before the throne room of God in their white robes because they've endured to the end. And they say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. 